comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 45 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rammer, I will be hosting Alexis Cook. And that's really humbling, and it mm-hmm. kind of, at least in my mind, forced my hand to be like, okay, this is the world you live in, so what are you going to do about it? You know, mm-hmm. like, it seems really hard to go back to what I was used to after that and just pretend that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Alexis is a passionate individual with a drive to create more equitable world through increased opportunity and empowerment. The co-founder and co-president of Unlocked, Alexis was an Ingram Scholar at Vanderbilt University, where she graduated in 2018 with a Bachelor's in Human and Organizational Development and a minor in Economics. Prior to studying at Vanderbilt, Alexis spent a year working at five different nonprofit internships in five different countries, learning more about poverty through the eyes of those experiencing it. Alexis is focused on using her leadership to elevate the voices of marginalized people, creating pathways to sustainable change. As I sat there and heard some of Alexis' story, I couldn't help but be amazed at the knowledge and wisdom she has at such an early age. Um, I'm much older than her, and yeah, I was I was pretty floored. I know a lot of it started with uh, with a great family atmosphere, great parents. I also loved throughout her story and some of the uh, drastic changes, even from her going and studying. I mean, doing internships, you know, that was something that after high school, she wasn't planning to do. Um, She was planning to, I'd have to go back and listen at the moment, but um, join the Navy or I believe the Navy and kind of last minute decided not to. Uh, She respected her parents enough that she kind of waited on their okay. And in the meantime, she gave it to God and prayed about it, fasted. And you can hear in the interview, you know, how how uh, God worked within that. And there were several other moments throughout her story that were very similar and pretty pretty awesome. Um, sometimes we we tend to move forward and in, in disregards to, it could be parents, could be others in our lives whenever. Sometimes we just need to, you know, step back and we do need to give it to God. I had to do that recently on... Uh, on a house purchase, my wife and I we just closed on a new home, and it was uh, I think I mentioned it mentioned it in a previous uh, episode, but it was five weeks of us discussing and talking, and me uh, me pushing it a lot more than than she wanted, and eventually I had to kind of kind of step off and step back and you know let uh, let God do the rest, and so we closed uh, last week. Anyways, Alexis, yeah, super impressive. And uh, I know she is going to make a huge impact um, on Nashville and around the world. As I mentioned before, I'm a realtor in Nashville. And uh, recently I put together with a lender I work with, 
actually on a previous podcast, but we uh, I put together a little ebook on credit repair, and um, it's some uh, great content if you're looking at doing some stuff to get your credit where it, where you need it to be in order to buy a house. So check out the show notes. Um, I'm working on getting that on my uh, company website. In the meantime, I have my email address, so if you would like access to that, just uh, shoot me over an email. And now, without further ado, here's the interview with Alexis. Hello, Nashville. Today I'm coming to you from Two Rivers Park again. Um, I was here last week doing a podcast episode, and I found a great shade tree that we're under in this stupid fall weather. (laughs) (laughs) It's, what, 95, I think, 97 tomorrow. (laughs) like we're heading to the beach next week and it will be cooler there than it is here absolutely it's crazy so today i am hanging out with alexis cook hello Um, hello thank you for joining me in the rambler thank you for having me all right excited to be here well let's uh let's dive in alexis start the interview (laughs) all right so uh today i'm going to talk about no (laughs) did you catch that You know, like we're talking to Alexis, oh, and you got that? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, I got you. I'm sure you've heard it. Yes, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I'll say a joke, and I'm like, did they get it? And oh, no, it was like, I, yeah. no, they got it. Yeah. That, that one, I feel like, has been used a few times oh, on me, and yeah. Uh, all right, <laughs> so what gets you excited to get out of bed um, and get your day started? Wow. I think the very first thing I probably think of is um, food. Okay. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm being totally honest, I wake up, and I'm like, all right, I got to find food. It's uh-huh. like a forager mode. But right. then, I mean, what actually gets me out of bed, metaphorically speaking, is the passion I have for the business, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, helping employ and empower women transition out of homelessness. Mm-hmm. I, I get really excited with the personal interaction and um, just the ways that we can help people um, understand their worth and really move towards goals that maybe they thought they weren't able to achieve. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, we'll dive into that a little bit later. Um, all right, so let's start out getting to know you a bit. So it looks like you're a Nashville native. Am I correct on that? I am. I am. Wasn't born, but was definitely raised. Okay. So if you were to take a stroll around Centennial Park and reflect on your childhood years, what are some fond memories that would come to mind that helped begin to shape that childlike mind? Oh, wow. There's a lot I could say there. I was fortunate to be raised with a little bit of land, not like a lot because it's Nashville, but um, we were raised near the lake. And so most of my memories revolve around water and like wakeboarding. And I have two brothers and then they have just a million friends. It was mainly just me and like a little gang of guys. So it was like a fairly violent upbringing in that way. A lot of like fighting on tubes and stuff. But um, were you the youngest? or I was actually the oldest, which was the only way I could hold my own. Right. Um, That and then like we would always play games where we were whatever, like natives on the land and we'd have to like whittle things and like find berries and all that kind of stuff so it was a very ideal upbringing in that way where i felt which you know, part of town were you at north so i was near hendersonville okay. actually okay. yeah cool. and i love it my family's still there so i visit them like yeah you know weekly sunday dinners type thing yeah we're about wednesday we close on a house in mount juliet and it's 1.3 acres oh my goodness congrats it has a creek Ah. Uh. And I had three boys. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to giving them that space to explore. Totally. Like I'm already, we got 
um, tree houses in mind oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. zip lines and you we know. we had all that stuff. We were into it, and like bonfires, especially when I oh, got yes. into like high school. Bonfires were the thing. You know, it's like you yeah. go to the cook household every Friday night. That's so. cool. We have a house now, but so we're moving five miles down the road. Okay, and it was a big transition in getting my wife on board. But it's stuff like that that I'm imagining as the boys get totally. older because I got twelve and nine and four and a half. Oh know? wow. There's some fun ages. So, you know, they're, uh, yeah, and it's such a great location. Right. That it'll be convenient for so many to kind of have that. So that's cool. That is awesome. That's fun. Good relationship with the kids, the brothers, I mean. Oh, yes. I was going to say, I don't have any kids of my own. Let's, <laughs> let's not get crazy. Um, yes, my brothers are my best friends, though. Um, one is only a year and a half younger than me. So we're like dang near twins. Mm-hmm. And then the other is a senior in high school now. And I'm so proud of him. He was just on the homecoming court last week, oh, so cool. we went and visited, and yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. They're great. That's awesome. All right, any other memories come to mind at those uh, younger years in the um, Cook household? I think one, <laughs> I'm kind of just spitballing, but one thing that is funny to me and I think is kind of emblematic of my younger childhood at least, I was super like hippie whatever, and still kind of carry that, but maybe in a more mature version. Right. But I remember in like fifth grade, I was so into just like, being one with nature. Like you would think mm. I was reading like David Foster Wallace type stuff and I was like 10. Okay. <laughs> and so once my mom had to call the cops because she couldn't find me and I, you know, I'm like too young to have a cell phone. Right. I guess now like you're born with a cell phone, but not, you know, right. 10 years ago. Yeah. And I'd been like sitting out in the woods alone, just like observing deer eating. Like I'd been sitting there still for so long that they were just like around me and I'm like journaling. Are you it, really? Literally. And they called the cops because they couldn't find me. And then I came home and they're like, you can't do that anymore. Oh, that's too funny. So you always had just that nature, which you were born and raised in it. So therefore you just became to love it and appreciate it, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. As you approached high school, how was your family life? And were there some exciting years or were those tough years and why? You know, again, I had a pretty idyllic childhood in a lot of ways that was a good time for me it's there's not been like a really bad time honestly mm-hmm. in, in many That's ways good. That's um, good. especially from the family standpoint we've remained really close even through pretty challenging times in the past few years yeah um high school was pretty great we actually moved to atlanta for my freshman year of high school and then moved back one year later oh wow how so was, was that it was good for me okay. i think the rest of the family less so yeah um i'm super outgoing and was able to just kind of like jump in and like join the basketball team and do all these things. I'm terrible at basketball, side so note. Really? But okay. She's, you're very tall. I'm, yeah, I'm very well, tall. I should say you're tall. No, no, yeah. no. I'm, I'm very tall. Okay. But, but basketball, not so much. I was good at the things that don't require height, ironically. Okay. So like dance team and lacrosse and all mm. that. But um, yeah, I mean, high school as a whole was a really fun time. It was formative in that I think it was the first time I was able to start really thinking about like, what do I believe and why right. on a lot of levels, you know, like mm-hmm. my faith and what I want to do with my career. Um, my dad was in the military growing up. And so I thought I wanted to join the military and then mm. kind of rethought that like my senior year, like right before deciding what to actually do. So it was a lot of transition, but I was really thankful that my family gave me the space to do that while still rooting me. Yeah. You know? Do you think that, that just that year transition helped grow you a bit, getting out oh, of your comfort zone and absolutely. Know, Atlanta? Absolutely. Yeah, I think Atlanta for sure, but then especially later even, like my senior year was a big year of thinking, and then I ended up taking a gap year, and that's what kind of put me on the path I'm on now, I think. Okay, cool. Um, Which is, you know, it's funny because, you know, it's like, hey, let's hear your story, and I've joked with some. I'm like, all right, now make up something that, like, you almost did this or that, you know, but as I hear this, you know, I, I hope 
when my boys get older, somebody says, hey, how was your childhood? You know, I hope they're able to go, oh, it was awesome. Great yeah. memory. You know what I mean? Totally. Like that that setting. And totally. So I'm still working on and creating that environment because, woo. It sounds like you're doing a good job. Well, it's, on it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> you know very little, let's just say. That's, yeah, that's true. Um, all right. So you just flipped the tassel and now you're done with high school. What was next for Alexis and how did those next years begin to prepare you for adulting, as they call it now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... This is, I think, when I started to really diverge from at least my parents' expectations of what my life would look like. Because mm. um, like I said, my dad was in the Navy, and so we definitely had, like, a militaristic influence, at least in our life. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was really connected to nature, but we also did, like, push-ups if we didn't say sir. Like, literally, you know? So it was it was strict in a lot of ways, which I appreciate now, mm-hmm. especially. Um, but anyway, so I had decided I was going to do Air Force, had, like, done the summer seminar like up in Colorado and done all that and and loved it really and even loved being in the minority as a girl Mm -hmm. um and I thought that was kind of a fun thing to like Mulan fight whatever yeah after I was like pretty much committed in my mind my senior year found out about this gap year program called the Kibu gap year program actually doesn't even exist anymore but it was perfect for me Mm -hmm. um and basically it was five nonprofit internships in five different countries Okay, so this was before you went to college this was before I went to college I'm still I'm still in high school figuring out what I want to do Long story short, end up deciding I think that's what I want to do. I'm talking like, I'm like praying about it and like getting really, you know, Mm -hmm. reflective. And my parents were just vehemently opposed. Really? Um, My dad especially, which is, I mean, totally fair. Right. You know, like, he doesn't know anything about the program. He's like, you're just what, going to go live in Africa? Like, what does that even mean? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Ended up letting me do it after just a bizarre sequence of events. Basically, he went to Colorado for a business trip and it ended up getting canceled. And so he met with like the leaders of the program and called me crying saying I could go. Mm, um, wow. So I ended up going, that was actually the day he that met I met with the leaders of the program that you the, were going to, exactly okay. of the gap year program. Okay. Um, and I'd been praying all that day. Like wow. I need a sign and that, and, you know, and that, was, oh, that day wow. he calls me crying. Um, that was a big sign. Your dad calling crying. Yes. Huge. Wow. So I went, um, yeah, and so I started in Denver and did Spanish to English translations for um, domestically abused women in a court setting, um, which, especially from my like fairly sheltered upbringing, was very different. So did you take Spanish in high school? Or? I did. Okay. I did. I, I spoke Spanish fairly well by that okay. point. I had traveled to Spain a few times. My, okay. One of my best friends lives there, actually. Um, yeah, but that was, that was a lot all at once, and then went from there to working in a Haitian orphanage, um, and then did microfinance in Rwanda with like a coffee company there and then did women's empowerment in Jordan and stayed with like a host family and then did medical assistance in the Philippines. Wow. That's pretty cool. So yeah. a lot of super diverse. Like how long were you in each area? Like two, um, three months? It was months? a full year total. So it was, yeah, it was like okay. two or three months. Um, except for Haiti, which was like one month, but it was, I mean, completely life-changing. Yeah, I don't say that. Lightly. I can't imagine. It was, it was truly life-changing. Even if you probably were with nonprofits in Nashville that pertain to just that but to be immersed in the areas totally i mean and especially like with host families and you know like yeah you lived the you were in the life with them absolutely um but i think it was during that time that i started really thinking about like what i think i'm called to and what i think my skills could best be used for in the world um and realized i didn't think it was the military Mm -hmm. and so this is also kind of another like twist in it i called my parents and basically was like you know, I really don't think I, we had basically agreed that I would do the military after I got off this program. Oh, okay. That was kind of the deal. And so I was essentially breaking my part of the deal and said, like, I don't think I'm going to do the military. 
to which they replied, well, then you have to figure out college because, like, we're not helping at all. And so I started, like, frantically applying to all of these scholarships, being like, what am I going to do? You know, like, I need to go to college. It was truly, truly fortunate to get a full ride to Vanderbilt wow. with the Ingram Scholars Program. Okay. Um, so that completely that was that, shaped. Did, it, did a lot of, how did you get that scholarship? Just curious. curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of a dramatic story, too, actually. Um, they have, like, a few rounds of interviews, and so... Obviously, I mean, at that point, I was living in Rwanda, so I was, like, not oh, wow. available at all. Didn't have, like, Wi-Fi in my home or anything like that. You know, I'm, like, yeah, kind of roughing it. They ended up letting me do my semi-finalist interview, and I, like, went to a local university to do that. And then I found out I was a finalist, and they're, like, you have to come to the in-person event. And I'm, like, okay, I don't, I don't know if you got, like, I'm in Kigali, Rwanda, you know. And they're, like, oh, no, no, it's fine. Like, we'll fly you out. And so I got to fly home actually far before I was planning to see my family. And I'm just conveniently from Nashville. Yeah. So I was able to stay with my family, see everyone, you know, like, hug my brothers, and then do this interview. Um, obviously, I was incredibly jet-lagged. But yeah. But it, it worked out by the grace of God. And um, I found out that I had gotten the scholarship whenever I landed in, um, where even was I? Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's on my way to cool. Jordan. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that just that phrase by the grace of God, I mean, in the timing of your dad's heart change. Totally. You know, and then you go and you're, and I would obviously say that having that experience made a big impact on them selecting you for the scholarship too. Oh, you? absolutely. I mean, yeah, I don't think I would have even remotely qualified because the yeah. scholarship is all about um, community service and leadership. Which technically we're doing community service. Totally. Right? Yeah. Totally. Okay. You're saying, yeah, both of those you were doing. Right. Yeah, that's cool. That's neat. So full ride to Vandy. And then what did you graduate in? With? Um, human and organizational development okay. and a minor in economics. Okay. So it's basically like business with a little bit of psychology and okay. economics. Nice. Which I loved. It's a Vandy-specific major, but it's it's really fun. The economics part or just the, the overall? The yeah. 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 So you were there how long? Four years? Four years. Technically four and a half. Okay. Um, I ended up getting Lyme disease and we oh, can no. get into that a little bit, <laughs> but I had to take a medical leave of absence. I so. just I just saw a post on Facebook, somebody shared it, that possums are a huge impact in not having Lyme disease because they what? eat so many ticks. Oh my goodness. So it's like, I guess we should have pet possums around well, the yard now. I actually saw a possum in my front yard last night, so... Thanks, yeah. possum. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I didn't read all the details, but they just wow. said, you know, that they eat a lot of uh, interesting, a lot of ticks. It's too late for me, but he can protect. So, are roommates. you good with your lime, or you, or does I am. it? I mean, it, will it come back? And because I got a, I got a friend that he's still battling with it quite a bit. Oh you yeah, know? it was. I mean, it's easy to talk about it now because it's kind of you can just gloss over right. the last two years, but it was intense. Yeah. Um, and I am totally fine now, but technically, it's kind of like mono. Like technically, it'll always be in my system. So I'm kind of just praying that it, it doesn't yeah. come back and, you know, haunt me in a big way. Right. But but it, all that being said, I mean, I really don't, not that I had a choice, but I don't regret the way it affected me because it it was really, I think, used for um, my good in the long mm-hmm. haul. Mm-hmm. You might have a pretty positive outlook on life, yes. would you say? <laughs> yes, I would um, think so. All right. But. So talk to me about a, f- a few very influential people you have had in your life. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it's so cliche, but my parents, obviously. I mean, like, how could you not say that? Um, now, now let's just, I'm going to stop you there because n- many people can't say that. You know what I mean? No, that's absolutely true. Like, so it's not a clu- cliche or obviously, uh, again, kind of goes totally. back to what you said earlier. It's awesome. And as parents, we hope to have that 
kind of impact, but totally. it doesn't often happen, you know? No, yeah. I mean, and especially recently, I've just, I mean, the older I get, the more we're just like friends, except they're much wiser mm-hmm. than I am. But they have supported me so wholeheartedly with Unlocked, which is kind of scary, you know, to like have your whatever 22-year-old daughter say like, I'm going to go full-time with a job that probably won't be able to pay me for a while. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, and so I'm just really thankful for the way they've done that. Yeah, 22. I was 22 at the time. Okay. Yes, I'm now 24. Okay, still very young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's kind of cool interviewing even some of the musicians and different people. You know, it's like the age, you just don't think about it, you know? Totally. Um, and yeah, I would say experiences and probably your upbringing has made you way mature, mature than others, you know? Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I think it's... You know, well, it's it's never going to end. Like, you hope yeah. to continue growing, and eventually I'll just be so wise, I'll just be, like, floating around Buddha-style. Right, know. right, but, right. But, yeah, but definitely my parents. Um, one of my closest mentors is named Lina, Lina Reynolds, and we meet, like, once a month. We actually started that whenever I was really sick with Lyme, like, whenever I was, like, bedridden, and just have kept it up, and she's an incredible woman of God and just is really, I think, grounding for me, helps me be, like, Okay, you know, like, I know you're all excited about all those things, but, like, right. come back and what do you think is, like, the best? Not mm-hmm. just the good, but what's the best that you can do? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really good question for me sometimes because I think I get really excited and want to try and do everything, and that's not always the right option. So so <laughs> I got to ask a question that I've heard on other podcasts. Have you done the Enneagram test? Oh, of course. So, so what's your number? Okay, Anyone who knows Enneagram should already have guessed by what okay. I just said. I'm an Enneagram 7. That's what I figured. Because yeah. that's what I am, too. Are you? So oh, you said gosh. That. And I'll tell you, it, it was actually, so I had friends, and actually we were doing, we kind of highlighted it just in personality aspects in a in a, a Wednesday Night Life group. And um, so I, had, I hadn't done the test yet. Okay. Well, actually, as my wife and I were going through this, you know, transition of deciding to move, which was really tough on her. I'm like, let's go. Yes, totally. And, but I also realized that like, you know, I just couldn't handle the negativity. Mm -hmm. Like it drove me crazy. Yeah. And so I guess I'm just sitting there one day, literally in my chair in the backyard, just kind of reflecting, frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do that test. I'm gonna see what kind of personality, you know, I have. And so I did it. And then it popped up a seven, which this was like a really short one, but it still seemed fairly accurate. Right. And when I read some of the details of it, one of the, one of the notes it said kind of the negative to it is that you run from negativity. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. It, but it totally made sense because I'm like, that's why it's so difficult for me to hear her perspective. Cause mm-hmm. I feel it's so negative because mm-hmm. it opposes mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it helped me understand a bit more, you know, why that now I'm sitting down with a friend the other day and we were talking and, and, uh, you know, he's in life transition kind of. And, and so he reads, I forget what it was, but it was really detailed into mm. the seven. And I'm, I'm over there going, oh, my God. Oh, like, how can they get that much? Totally. You know, like, <laughs> you're like get out of my brain. <laughs> I know. It. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's flooring. And then how they said that, you know, when you're seven and then it was reading different categories of kind of where it could go if mm. you let it like maybe totally control you in the negative side of it. I was like. And I, my thought literally was like, I think by God's grace, he's put people in my life that I didn't go here or here. Totally. You know what? Like, so I want to run, but I have wise people. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I so yeah. I feel similarly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And even like kind of what I was saying about Lyme disease, I feel like even things that were just thrown into my life, not by any one person necessarily, I mean, God, but yeah. I think that have actually 
been for my benefit long term. Yeah. You know, and kind of protected me from myself, maybe. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, again, hearing the example and details of it, I think that's super wise for sevens to have wise people in your life to pull you back, you know, and and even though, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's all negative. But it it did make me think Mm. it may it it actually even more confirmed in the decision to move forward, you know, so that's good. That's crazy. Awesome. All right. So shout out one of your favorite restaurants and favorite nonprofits and why? Oh, man. Restaurants. I'm going to say Moss Tacos. I mean, I own their T-shirt. I do the whole thing. I love Moss Tacos. Um, I mean, also, I live like, f- whatever, three minutes down the road. OK. Now, is that is what where's that one at? Um, I'm so bad with directions. I'm not going to be able to tell you. As evidence, but- <laughs> you recall me. <laughs> did did the ways help you or the whatever or did you find by like that point I, yeah okay, but by, by the marked location but i'm i'm like so so yeah. bad with directions yeah. so i mean i literally sometimes have to like if i'm not coming from my own house have to ways my way to my parents house mm. like i just it just whatever it doesn't click yeah, yeah. so i don't know it, it's in east nashville okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you can google it okay sounds good right, right. um favorite nonprofit. yeah i mean we can talk about this later but one of them has to be community care fellowship in mm-hmm. east nashville also Unlocked has been working with them for about a year now, and they are just incredible. And I think you actually said you, you yeah, know Ryan no, Lasour, the Ryan executive director, well. and yeah. he's incredible. And Tyler Peterson, and I mean their entire staff is just rock yeah. solid. So I love them. That's cool. Yeah, yeah actually, we have a uh, Bryce's last um, cross country run is tomorrow. So I told oh, Ryan, I was like, man, I don't think I can make it. You know, uh, like I know. Okay. He had replied back. I'm like. Hey, dude, you invited me. Why didn't you reply back and say, I'm so sorry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, cool. That's good. That's good. All right, so let's talk a little bit more in detail about that year, you know, kind of totally. with that, with the, you know, nonprofits and the countries. Like, how do you, how did that kind of specifically prepare you and, yeah. you know, grow you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, I went in straight out of high school. So, like, I was 18 and sheltered and didn't know much about the world and in Denver I lived with there were 10 other people doing the program with me and so I lived with them um the guys lived in one house and the guy I mean the yeah and then the girls lived in another like right next door mm-hmm. and being in like that close community really intentionally we had dinner every night and um I had to do all these chores and like it was a lot of collision of I mean we were from all over the country and it was mm-hmm. a collision of expectations and I think that in itself was maturing but then especially working at my um, nonprofit internship and day in and day out hearing stories of domestic violence and abuse and um, just having to reconcile like, you know, I was really blessed and and kind of just circumstantially like given the life I was. Mm-hmm. And I get to walk away from these stories every day and go back to this house I'm living in. And like these women are living this story. And that's really humbling. And it mm-hmm. kind of, at least in my mind, forced my hand to be like, okay, this is the world you live in, so what are you gonna do about it? You know, mm-hmm. like, it seems really hard to go back to what I was used to after that and just pretend that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Not that I had never experienced anything bad in my life, but you know, just like, not to that proportion. Um, and that kind of set the tone for the entire year, I think. And then, you know, like like I said, working in the orphanage and- um, Where did you go, where were you at in Haiti? Um, near Dumaguete. Okay. Um, I won't say the name of the nonprofit, honestly, okay. because I did not like that internship. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that maybe taught me one of the, the most crucial lessons from that year, which was 
you have to be really careful about the way that you choose to serve. Mm. And um, I think they were super well-intentioned, but they had mm. some pretty gaping holes in my mind about um, cross-cultural ministry and kind of like Which a white savior complex. Which is super wise to see it. 18. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and to be working for the nonprofit and be like, you know what? I'm not really, I'm not really digging this. And like talked with my supervisor about it. And um, I think that was really good. But, mm-hmm. it, but it definitely taught me a lot about how to approach people with dignity and respect, right. recognizing that, I mean, we're all human and have gaps. So right. maybe mine's not material, but it's not like I don't have any issues that you can't help me with, you know? And I think a lot of the people we were serving had incredible emotional fortitude and, and spiritual wisdom and you know, it was mutually reciprocal. And I think that's important to remember whenever you're working, especially with people who are impoverished, that there shouldn't be this power dynamic. And I, mm-hmm. I felt like there was in that case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, I can go on and on. I don't know how much you want me to say, but. Go for it. In Rwanda, I loved that internship. I was working with, um, like I said, a coffee company. It sold domestically, I think, as West Rock Coffee, and they're incredible, so I'll tell you their name. I think in Rwanda, it's still sold as Rwanda Trading Company. but. Yeah. They basically work direct with the farmers um, all across the country. Rwanda's very small, so um, it's not that hard to do. But they help provide things like small loans to help people build homes and get their kids through school. They've built wells in the areas they work in. And they really make it their mission to use their business for the benefit of the people they're working with. Um, So they actually weren't a nonprofit. They were a for-profit company, um, but just did business really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that helped me think through what I would want to do. Yeah, and then and I had an incredible host family there too. Um, and Jordan, same thing. I mean, my host family changed my life. They were really, really awesome, and some of my closest people, and helped me think through a lot of again what I want with my life and mm-hmm. what does my faith look like in action and all sorts of things like that. Um, and I worked with a nonprofit that um, taught business skills to girls aging out of foster care in Amman. So super interesting and niche, but it was really cool. Yeah. Tangibly what that looked like was kind of bizarre because I obviously don't know any, especially at 19, didn't know any Mm -hmm. of the skills that um, they were teaching the girls. So I ended up just helping run this like conference for one part of the year. But, but really what I did was like model for the conference. They were doing like a fashion show and I, I don't know, it was kind of a bizarre thing. Mm -hmm. But now I can say that I was a model in Amon Jordan, which is kind of interesting and random. Yeah. My height came in handy. Yeah. Um, And everyone thought it was like so you know, interesting that I was blonde, which is funny. Right, right. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the Philippines, like I said, worked in um, medical assistance. But really, that was another incredible nonprofit. They did a lot. And I loved that it was locally run, um, kind of the antithesis of the Haitian company I was talking about. Um, they were really, really good about only going where they were, like, asked to go, you mm-hmm. know, and, and working with the local community to figure out what worked best for that region and not having, like, a cut and dry, this is what we do, but more like, what do you want us to do and how can we help you get there, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and as soon as it's possible to pass off leadership, passing it off to the people who live there right. and know right. the context better than you ever will, you know? Right. Um, so it was really cool to see how they did that so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did everything from, like, community development to medical assistance to... Um, microfinance loans for small businesses. Um, yeah, I mean, and their statistics of success are pretty shocking. They're so good. So have you gone back to serve with any of them? No. Um, I've been back to Haiti, not with the nonprofit mm-hmm. I was with, um, with a different nonprofit that rocks, mm-hmm. um, Global Orphan. And okay. have not gone back to, I've gone back to Denver, but not with mm-hmm. um, IJM International Justice Mission. Haven't gone back to the others, though. I definitely plan to. Um 
yeah, I, I've just been in school the past four years yeah. and this is my first year out. So, okay. and I don't have the money now to just right. like hop to Jordan. But um, Well, it was something made me think I was listening and I got lost in the thought of the fact that, you know, your parents possibly could have been like, yeah, we'll pay for you wherever you want to go to college. But because they didn't, it actually made you search and work harder. Totally. And you got four years of Vanderbilt paid for totally. by you, you know? So it's kind of like a, a lesson in like, yeah, don't automatically just give your kid everything that they want. Yeah. Let them work a little bit for it. Yeah. But if not, you know, be there. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, yeah. Okay, so now let's jump into hearing the story about how Unlocked came to life. Yes. Yeah, so um, going back to getting Lyme disease, it actually starts there in a kind of dark place in my life. Um, yeah, so I was an undergrad at Vandy, loving it, thriving. Um, like I said, I'm an Enneagram 7, so my version of thriving meant I was in like 20 organizations and like leading five of them and, you know, like doing too much. And I loved it, but that's not a sustainable pace of life. Um, anyway, so the end of my sophomore year, I found a tick bite, didn't think much of it. Wow. Um, and went to work in Spain that summer. Like I said, I speak Spanish and love Spanish culture. Um, and while I was in Spain, I was like living in this tiny apartment in Madrid and just kept feeling sick. Mm. And I was like, maybe I'm just not acclimating well to the food or maybe it's because I'm speaking Spanish and it's giving me headaches, but just a lot of weird pains that I hadn't felt before. Um, like crazy back pains. And I'm like, I'm like 20, like, what is this? Right. You know, um, muscles twitching. And anyway, looked into it and actually went to a Spanish doctor and asked to get tested for Lyme. And they were like, we can't do that. We don't have Lyme disease here. So I was like, oh, okay, I probably don't have it anyway. And just went home. And whenever I finally went back to Nashville, I guess three months later, got tested really just because my mom was like, you know, like you had been feeling sick. I'd rather just know for peace of mm -hmm. mind. And then it comes back positive and we're like, oh, wow. Um, and so that was, I think, more life-changing than I even recognized in that moment because it just became so progressively worse through the antibiotics and all of that that I ended up having to take a medical leave of absence. And yeah, it was during that time that I really felt called to start walking around downtown and talking with people experiencing homelessness. Um, I had volunteered quite a bit, like I had mentioned, obviously, with my gap mm -hmm. year, but even in high school and in college in Nashville with um, different organizations that deal with homelessness. And so I had definitely a broad understanding, but it did feel pretty unique to just walk around and not have any agenda, any like, you know, mission to walk with and just be like, hi, I'm just Alexis and I'm here to, you know, talk. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually ended up making some really genuine friendships through those conversations, just walking around and we'd sit on the curb and talk for like an hour or two, you know, um, and I could go back and find those same people if they were in the same area. And the more I grew close to my new friends, basically, the more I started thinking, you know, like there should really be some sort of employment vehicle that provides stability and wages while addressing barriers that people experiencing homelessness face. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, I mean, not to say, there's some incredible organizations in Nashville already. Um, and so it was more thinking about like what would be, you know, something that the community actually needs. So I'm not just overlapping resources for no apparent reason. Um, and I'm, granted, I'm still at this point that I'm thinking about this, like very sick and getting, mm -hmm. you know, IVs weekly and all that. But just start mulling it over and then go to Vandy to visit some friends and um, get locked out of my car. Classic. And so I'm sitting there waiting on my mom to bring a spare set of keys. And one of my like acquaintances really from freshman year walks by and he's like, hey, I heard you out of school. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, yeah. I start telling him all about how I'm making all these friends on the streets. And 
um, literally in like the 40 minutes it took my mom to get there, we, we just decide like point blank, we're gonna start a company. We'll, we'll just see what it looks like. We're gonna start a company. Um, and Corbin was his name, Corbin Hooker. And we start meeting wow, up weekly. Wow, so y'all literally like. In that short, short span. Yeah. Um, and I think at first it was definitely more of a theoretical exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more we met, I mean, we met weekly that entire semester that I was out of school. And the more we met, the more tangible it came until, yeah, beginning of our junior year, I went back to school and we entered and won a pitch contest, which genuinely shocked us. Like, not even false humility. We were like, what? <laughs> like, we don't feel prepared at all for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but through that, we gained some pretty cool mentors. And then the real kicker was the end of our junior year is when you're supposed to be applying to, you know, like all these fancy finance jobs or whatever. Um, and Corbin had like triple majored. He's a very smart guy. Mm-hmm. So he could have done a lot of things. But I started really intentionally fasting and praying about, mm. I need to figure out what I'm gonna do. And like, God, if you want this unnamed business to be something, then I need a sign. And so around that same time, one of my absolute best friends who was kind of my adopted grandpa called, and his name was Ray. And Ray and I had met my freshman year at Vandy whenever I'd been volunteering at a um, transitional house. Um, he had been homeless most of his life and was a Cuban immigrant, didn't have any family here. Um, but we just really hit it off and you wouldn't think there's a whole lot in common between like a 65 year old Cuban immigrant and like Mm -hmm. a 22 year old, you know, Nashville native, but we really hit it off and would go to Chick-fil-A and do all these things. Anyway, um, Ray was diagnosed with cancer when I was diagnosed with Lyme. And so I'd become his power of attorney and started taking him to all of his, um, medical appointments and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) literally like, I I mean, I'm sick too. So we're just kind of a motley duo. Um, Anyway, and so fast forward, I'm fasting and praying and Ray calls, which is not abnormal at all. But he says, you need to come to the hospital. I'm dying. Um, And so I go and we have this amazing conversation about his life and what it had meant to him. Um, And it was just really honest and cool to hear his reflections. And then at the end of that conversation, just like in a movie, like a weird movie, though, but he Mm -hmm. like he pulls me in and he's like, actually, I wanted you to know I have a storage unit. And in this storage unit, I have a duffel bag of money. And whenever I pass, I want you to have it. And so in this weird (laughs) moment, a man who didn't own a mattress, literally, became like the primary investor in a company to employ other people experiencing homelessness. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. So definitely took it as a sign. And um, yeah, Corbin and I went and found the storage unit and quite literally unlocked it. And that was the beginning of Unlocked. Oh my gosh. Um, So we named it Unlocked because of the storage unit. Oh wow, that's cool. And then... um, the more metaphorical meaning of like unlocking wages and opportunities. Um, and I guess unlocking that's so designs. Neat. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That so is so cool. Pretty, pretty. I mean, I would have to say story. throughout all this, there had to be a lot of tears involved in there as well. Right. Oh, a I lot, mean, yeah. if you're emotional at all. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I think I've become increasingly emotional as I've gotten older. Yeah. Like I never used to cry. And now I feel like I cry uh, at least once a week. That is so cool. That's a, I mean, that's, I could see that being a, you know, in a, a movie. Totally. You know, like. Totally. I mean, yeah. And it, and he was homeless for how long? But yet he had. Most of his so life. Crazy. Probably like 25 or 30 years. So I wonder why, I wonder why he just had the money stashed yeah. away. Like. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly. Well, and it wasn't even that much. It's not like okay, it was right, like, right, 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 $50,000. Right. Right. <laughs> you were like a million dollars. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, but that was the sign too, right? Totally. That, yeah, it was more. Exactly. I think the sign than anything. And it, I mean, it was enough to hire a first maker and we decided to go with jewelry um, mm-hmm. mainly because honestly, we didn't have much experience in jewelry, but we liked the idea of creating beauty in the world and having something that like consumers could physically wear and share our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something we thought would be easy to learn and teach. 
which as we've grown is less true because now we're doing like melting metals and whatever, you know, but right, especially right. in the beginning, that was true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's and kind so, of just grown and organically. And so now go into a little bit more exactly what it does. So you're helping women that. Yes. So we employ women transitioning out of homelessness. Okay. So Unlocked is a for-profit right. jewelry brand. Um, and we work really closely with nonprofits like CCF that I mentioned um, and a few others to provide transitional housing for everyone we work with, um, career counseling, mental health counseling. Um, we have financial empowerment services and like direct deposits and things like that to make it as convenient as possible. Have you met Derek Evans with Project 605? I haven't. Because, you know, his his I think I've mentioned in the email, you know, as I was interviewing him and then I'm like, yeah, what's one of your, you know, your shout out to your nonprofit. And I'm thinking, obviously, it's you. But he's like, no, actually, we're for profit. I'm like, yeah. Oh, really? Okay, huh? And he's like, no, a lot of people think that because the name could sound that way, but they also employ people in the same scenario. Totally. You know, that uh, help with their stuff. So that'd be a good connection. Absolutely. You know, just, and he just wrote a book. Um, I need to read it. Yeah, just, Someone told me about that. I need yeah, to read it. So I would probably identify with a lot of the yeah. struggles in the early years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, all right. So talk to me about the importance of elevating the voices of marginalized people in order to create pathways for sustainable change. Yeah. So, like I said, I think I learned a lot from my nonprofit internships, both good and bad. And I think especially the one in Haiti that I was talking about taught me a lot about how to be respectful and and humble in the way that you approach people you're working with. Because, you know, I mean, they're people endowed with gifts just like you. And the only difference is you were born into a different circumstance a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... With Unlocked, we, being Corbin and I, really try to elevate the voices of the people we're working with instead of speaking for them. Um, and so it's all about empowerment and, yeah, supporting our women as they achieve their own goals, which is kind of the unlocking portion. You know, mm-hmm. like we're not walking for anyone. We're just unlocking doors that, right. you know, circumstances locked. Um, yeah, so we have bios on the back of each of our products, like on the packaging, and those are written by the women themselves. Um, we used to do interviews actually with people experiencing homelessness that they would like basically give us quotes and then we would share those to break down the stigma of homelessness and again, elevate the voices of people that you might not have the chance to talk to, Mm -hmm. um, or might not feel comfortable talking to honestly. But yeah, everything we do is about helping our women get to where they want to go as opposed to, you know, treating them like a cog in the machine, you know, like they need our help. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of just a difference. Like sometimes that's nuanced enough that it might not be immediately apparent. But I think in the way that we work and the way that our culture unlocked works, it it makes it more obvious what we mean by that. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about how you find moments like the time you woke up in a sandy tent on the coast of Brazil. I know in our busy lives, we have to make space for to clear our minds of all the noise. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even remember telling you that. I'm like, where you did you? You How did you find I, that? I easily found that on Facebook. Oh, I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I, was, I don't mind if you found everything. But yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely value taking time away and being able to recharge and remember. And kind of like I was saying when I was a kid, you know, like mm-hmm. right. I've always right. been very connected to um, the earth <laughs> more did broadly. The Lyme, did the Lyme disease give you a fear from? Oh, not the, at all. Okay, good. Not at all. Good. Um, the seven over... Oh yeah, it's going to be really hard to break through that. Yeah, and I love travel and just getting outside of my comfort zone and seeing how I handle it. Mm -hmm. Um, Just recently, I found myself 
I didn't mean to necessarily, but I was kind of backpacking through Colorado because um, my yeah, boyfriend every, and I were there. Everybody just happens to do that. Totally. Yeah. You're just like, what happened? Well, yeah. mainly we needed to catch a flight to Nashville and needed to go from Aspen to Denver, which is not an easy feat. And ended up just um, hitchhiking the whole way, which I honestly would have never done had I not been with my boyfriend. Right, I think right. that's probably not always safe, but right. <laughs> but it worked out really well. It worked out really well and we made amazing friends and they were so sweet. Sent them a letter just yesterday. Um, yeah, that's cool. So yeah, but I think what I've learned is... Now, was that a, was that a challenge or a goal versus like an Uber or they just didn't was, have it? Um, Both. Okay. We, we wanted to hitchhike and okay. then realized progressively that it was actually necessary because there right. were no other options. Okay. We at first thought like, oh, we'll just see what happens. And then we we're like, no, actually, we really need to catch right. a flight. Um, All right, sorry, interrupted. No, you no, saying. you're good. But yeah, I think I've realized that it it takes intentionality to move away from everything. Um, mm-hmm. It becomes really easy, honestly, for me to get like kind of in this cycle of like I'm just gonna keep working, you know, and like working on all the weekends and doing emails at night and doing all this because you care, and I really care about the mission of Unlocked, and I want to see it thrive. But I think it it also requires people who are engaged, you know, and like that means mm-hmm. that we have to take time for ourselves and remember why we care and, you know, mm-hmm. and remember why we're excited about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful that I get the opportunity to step away every now and then and do something interesting. Like yeah. wake up on the sandy beach of Brazil, right. quite literally in a tent. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Did you camp on the tent or did you camp? Oh yeah. We in- camped on the beach. It was kind of wet. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, Yeah, but, but I don't mind. I mean, I woke up and it was gorgeous. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's cool. What do you do in a daily or weekly basis to help grow you in your personal life or in, or your profession? Oh, wow. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I do on good days to, to grow. I don't think this is always true, mm-hmm. but the routine that I've tried to set is I wake up pretty early and go to yoga at 6 a.m. Um, I love yoga. That was something I gained from Lyme disease that I'm thankful for. I now do yoga like often. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I come home, shower, and then I try and take like 30 or 40 minutes to do a quiet time and basically just like reflect on the day, um, read the Bible, journal, just, you know, kind of get my mind right, Mm -hmm. Um, sit and like casually drink a glass of tea and whatever. And then obviously all the normal work things, but I think things that we do to try and like grow the company are weekly have meetings, Corbin and I, and sometimes the whole team actually, about what we're trying to accomplish that week and how everything we're doing is meeting that standard. Um, We've been bad about it recently, but usually we have standing meetings every day just Mm -hmm. for like 15 minutes where everyone will go around everyone i mean like even interns will go Mm -hmm. around and say um what they did yesterday what they plan to do today and if there's anything they need help with to accomplish that Mm -hmm. and that's nice just because it sets the pace of like we're all on the same team you know we're all working towards the same goals and even the things that seem small Mm -hmm. are necessary to get us there yeah um again that's when we're like high functioning it doesn't always happen if things are crazy right um yeah and then just every now and then taking a step back and taking some real time to like strategically plan what needs to happen in the next few months even for Unlocked. And then in my personal life, I guess, strategically planning like when I'm going to take breaks. You know? Right. Yeah, um, for sure. A few Very times important. Yeah. Give yourself a vacation. Totally. Um, all right. So fear can be a good and fear can be good and bad. In a lot of cases, it can paralyze people from accomplishing all God has in store for them. How would you advise listeners to take on fear? Oh, wow. Um, I think sometimes I do it too well, I'll be honest. I My dad has told me that a few times. He's like, you should have a little more fear. Right. Um, 
and I don't regret it because I think it's gotten me in some fun circumstances. Mm-hmm. But it also means I've like jumped off a 60 foot bridge and broke my tailbone, which mm. literally happened. Um, and I kind of still suffer from that. Yeah, I think the healthy balance would be kind of doing some introspection and figuring out why you're afraid. Mm-hmm. Like in the case of me jumping off a bridge, I was afraid because that's a legitimate fear and I probably shouldn't have done it. You know, Were you jumping in the water? I was jumping in the okay. water. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it just was really high. Wow. Um, but in the case of starting Unlocked, I'm glad I did that. You know, and mm-hmm. I think the fear was of not being enough, you know, and of not being able to support myself and all these things that are really legitimate. But mm-hmm. but I think sometimes it's weighing that and seeing like, you know what, what am I willing to risk for the payoff? Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's a personal decision. Like, I don't think it would have been right for everyone to have started Unlocked in, their, in my circumstance, you know. Um, but I think with my passion for it and, like, my place in life, honestly, that I would be okay. You know, like, I'm single and, and well, at least not married and don't have kids and can, mm-hmm. you know, can do that for a little bit. Right, and, right. And grow it. So, yeah, I think there's some logic involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, logic, yeah. faith, totally. a little bit of merge in both. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, definitely my faith is like the precipice of all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I really think Unlocked would be nothing, at least from my end, without my faith. Mm -hmm. Really, every strategic decision we've had came from fasting and praying. Mm -hmm. Um, Like even partnering with CCF, I was fasting and then Ryan emailed us and we had never even spoken, you know, and like just really interesting things that happened that were in my mind, clearly the Lord at work. Yeah. So curious, fasting, what does that look like for you? Literally not eating. Which... Really, it was funny because in church at times, um, you know, they go, oh, let's fast from, just fast from whatever you want to, soda or whatever. And I remember one day going, you know, that's pretty kind of easy because, I mean, anybody can live without a soda. Totally. Yeah, it's addictive. I like coffee, but, like, I can live without it. And so, actually, I I did some research, and then it was like everything, every, you know, time it mentioned it in the Bible, it was food. Yeah. I mean, that was the one thing that, you know, that it's really going to make you sacrifice kind of totally totally well because it makes you feel physically weak right which is kind of a good reminder of like oh yeah it's because i am weak you know Mm -hmm. um yeah so usually it's like i'll choose a day strategically Mm -hmm. where it's like i don't have anything huge that day usually like a sunday or something and go either 24 maybe 48 hours and just drink water Mm -hmm. um and that kind of forces me to not do as much because i'm tired and so i like mainly sit around maybe take a walk or two and and like think and read and pray I mean, it's not like I do that every week. Yeah, um, and then you post it on Facebook that you're fasting, right? No, no, because <laughs> it talks about don't don't do it. Yeah, either, no, not necessarily. Yeah, um, yeah. but but yeah, I think that every now and then that's a good reminder of yeah figuring out what needs to happen. Yeah. Um, but I, but I also do think that sometimes it is just like taking a few hours and whatever, or just like not drinking soda or whatever. Um, but just being really intentional about. I'm going to listen. Right. You know, it's replacing that time that you would do something. And totally. that, that's the goal of some of it. So it's not, totally. like you said, a bad thing, but you know, really biblically fasting is no food. You know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, actually funny. We move here. My wife moved here before me and um, she started going to Andrew Price Methodist church. And so she was going to a Sunday school. And then I went, when I moved here, we were engaged mm. and um, we met, uh, Ryan's brother, but well, anyways, we leave we leave that church. We go to Two Rivers. Used to be down the road, you know, the oh, big wow. Two Rivers, and then come to find out, Ryan was in um, 
a I think was he in the same one? I think we were we started out in the Lue class, but he was in kind of the foundations class. And mm. then so yeah, we became friends and then it was ironically his parents were the ones that were leading the no Sunday school way. class at the other church. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, we've known each other for like God, like nineteen years, eighteen that years or something like awesome. that. Awesome. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah, he's a good guy. He Crazy. Yes. Um, all right. So if you could whisper a bit of wisdom that you have learned over the last decade to your younger self, you're still young. What, 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 yeah, exactly. What would that be, if anything? Yeah. Um, let's see. I, would, I mean, I would be 14. So I guess that's kind of a weird time for anyone, actually. So... Well, that's true. I did say you technically don't have to say the decade. Look at it from, I guess, with you being younger. Okay. Look at Just it from the experience. What would you tell people that are in high school looking to go to college, like in the experience oh, yeah. you took? You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, totally. What What advice would you give them? Um, I was recently talking about this because my brother's deciding where he's going to go. Yeah. Um, and I actually spoke to his high school, which was my high school. Cool. About the same thing. Um. I think being willing to go a little bit off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. I, with, definitely with my life experience, that's proven true. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing exactly what you planned on doing since you were five. I think that's awesome. Um, but I think being able to say, you know what, like I'm willing to do something a little different and see how it works out um, has really proved beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and definitely respecting the advice of people that you really care about, like your parents and you know, any mentors you have. Um, but also being willing to talk with them about like, this is why I really want to do this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because if I had just point blank gone off what people told me, I definitely wouldn't have taken the gap year or done any of that stuff that I'm really thankful for. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of balancing that because you definitely want to be wise and listen to the people that are wiser than you, but but still fight for things that you think are important. Right, right. Yeah, even I think, I think this morning, Bryce said something about or maybe it was last night. We were talking about college, and I forget how we got on it. But Natalie's like, well, "Yeah, you you got to go to college." And you know, he's he's in sixth grade. But yeah. something brought it up, and I was like, oh, "Maybe we're talking about saving money or something." And I'm like, "Well, not necessarily. I mean, yeah. he doesn't have to." Yeah. And I said, "No, he's just going to come work with me, you know, huh. for the rest of my life." And but it it's it has been interesting, you know, and I think that's with anything in life, like you going out and experiencing that, talking to different cultures and different mm-hmm. people and older and a sixty five year old guy, the wisdom that right. you know, like the more we put ourselves out there, oh yeah, the more conversations we have, the more we learn. Yeah. So the more I'm interviewing entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you know, the more I think, you know, and with college debt rising like crazy, Absolutely. you know, there's this you know, that's not always the that's oh my gosh you're supposed to do this it's like not necessarily yeah you know um and then i think there is that like you said a big part of that respect your parents because Mm -hmm. you obviously had a lot of respect for your parents but you also you also too said i'm not gonna battle this alone yeah you gave it to god and you let him you know work in your dad's heart and uh so i think it's a good mixture of all of that you know thank you yeah that's awesome yeah and and definitely especially as i got older you kind of spurred that in me but like um being willing to intentionally find people who are different than you and especially in like the political you know mm-hmm. rhetoric that we have going on now <laughs> finding people who are really smart who disagree with you or maybe for you that's age or um ethnic background or it can be a lot of things but just mm-hmm. finding people who are really different from you and asking them questions and like actually listening you know i think is 
the best way that we can mend some of the divides in our society yeah, right now. 100%. And then I think incorporating the love part. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And it's a, it's such a word that we, we throw around, but, you know, the depth of what love is, mm-hmm. patient kindness, does not envy, it's not, I don't remember all. But, the you know, the wedding, wedding scripture that was read. I mean, it's, you know, if we really practice that on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. We, basis, I mean, oh, my goodness. We'd be in a good place. All right, so I'm, from the great words of Paul and Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. When your journey is over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Journey's over, meaning the end of my life. Yes. Okay. Just clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of journeys I feel like yes. I'm running. Yeah. Wow, big question. Um, I mean, I think the cop-out answer is just that in everything I'll have done, I'll have glorified God through the way that I loved other people. Um, mm. That's broad enough that that can mean kind of anything. Yes. Um, I still don't honestly know what everything will mm-hmm. concretely look like. And I think even if I said I did, I'd be lying. You know? Right, right. Um, but I definitely feel most called to working with vulnerable populations and kind of like I said, elevating the voices of marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Um, that could look like a lot of things. But I think even more than like the things I'm physically doing, I want to be remembered for the way that I was doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just means like listening to people and, and really caring about what they have to say and loving them well. Um, that doesn't mean always affirming them. I think sometimes, you know, especially with um, the people you work with, sometimes there's things you have to be like, you know what, I don't think that's a good decision for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing it in a place that's coming from really caring about their best interest and not what you can get from them, or, you know, or your best interest. Um, that's what I would love to be remembered for. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Like you said, it's all it's all on how you go about that. You totally. know, so if you have that ultimate mission of glorifying God and everything you do and say and how you say it, you know, because. Many people live that life here and there, but do they incorporate it in everything they do? Mm-hmm. You know, when times get tough, do we respond out of love? Yeah. And I convictingly say I do not. You know, that's a, oh, and, and I no think one even would, e- even within the even within you know the household, that's mm-hmm. sometimes the toughest part to you know because you feel you could sadly you feel you could be you, which yeah. is sometimes what's showing who you really are. Totally. When you let those guards down, mm. you know, versus yeah. going, all right, so if you if you can put on this facade over here and be loving, but behind closed doors, you're not, that's probably more of a conviction of who you are and what you should work on, you know? Totally. All right, so the Nashville Real Estate Minute or a few. Um, how long have you lived in Nashville? Um, since fourth grade, so okay. whatever that would be. And where'd you live before that? I, I kind of all over the place. Okay. So my dad was in the Navy. Okay. So, yeah. Gotcha. Born in Death Valley, California. Okay. Uh, popped around quite a bit. Yeah. Landed in Nashville and haven't left other yeah. than my brief stint in Atlanta. Right, right. Why have you stayed in Nashville? Yeah, it's funny. I keep saying I won't. Like, after high school, I was so convinced that I would leave Nashville. And then, like I said, that just the Lord worked in crazy ways, and I ended up mm-hmm. right back in the heart of Nashville. And then after college, I was so convinced I was probably going to go, like, work in microfinance in India or whatever, and then ended up right in Nashville. <laughs> Different pockets each time, but mm-hmm. I think it's just been... I mean, one, that I genuinely love this city and mm-hmm. it holds a lot of the people that I love. But two, it's just been kind of circumstance that I feel like there's a lot here that's still calling me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for that. I'm really thankful mm-hmm. for that. Well, and I think the cool thing, too, because being in real estate, helping people move, like sometimes it's like, man, that seven, I would love to go to Denver and, totally. uh, for, and just move back to Edmonton. 
And, you know, uh, a mutual friend was talking about, you know, the mountains in Banff. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that, we're taking a road trip up there. Totally. So the cool thing is, because I will probably not be, I'll probably die here. Mm. Um, but we can travel. Yeah. You know, I so love we that. can go feed that. I love that. You know, no, I totally agree. All right. So what community did you land in now? And why did you choose that location? I am now in East Nashville and I love it. I live there with two roommates who are both amazing. I wanted to try something different than mm -hmm. the other areas of Nashville. I still am a seven, so I wanted something a little bit novel. Mm -hmm. And Vanderbilt is lovely, but I did not want to stay in West Nashville. It's pretty touristy and, you know, all that. Um, and East Nashville was accessible in terms of pricing, but also I just liked the vibe it gave. I don't know how else mm -hmm. to say it. Anyone who, like, yeah, is from the area is like, yeah, it's just a bunch of hipsters. But, but I love it. Um, basically, everyone on my street is a musician. Mm -hmm. and wears black skinny jeans and it's great i just really yeah. appreciate it and i mean i've been there enough that i would i wouldn't put everybody in that box no but, yeah, no that's it, definitely not actually we true. went we actually uh for our anniversary our 18th anniversary mm -hmm. uh, my wife and i we went to uh where did we start out the treehouse oh yeah that was cool oh, and yeah. then we we ran over to uh the donut distillery oh yeah have you eaten there yet i have those it's are really good donuts. So good. Like, Shout out to Because, you know, distillery. some of the other other donut places are really good, but it's like a small cake, mm -hmm. right? These were just the perfect size to I, get a yeah. mixture of, you know. Totally. I, the one thing I was going to say, and I, I might have to I might have to reach out to them, um, is uh, they should give some suggestions with the pairing, right? Oh. So when you're drinking a beer that's yeah. local. You know, it's like actually what kind of maybe would that's, taste, yeah. you know, Smart. Um, because that's kind of where it's like beer and donuts. Totally. You know? uh, when they and, start doing that, you should get commissioned for it. Yeah. And then we uh, then we jumped over and finished. had had some chips and queso because my wife didn't get enough at uh, the treehouse. Right. We split a small meal okay. and uh, at a. Uh, Rose pepper. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I, was, I said chips and salsa. Yep, yeah, and I knew. And actually, and I'm reading the thing, and ironically, they, they opened in 2001, which is when we got married. Oh, I love that. They didn't know the month, though. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah. So yeah, so we, you know, hung I out in East it. Nashville. Oh, yeah. It's like a self-enclosed community. Honestly. And then have you hit up the uh, Pod Popper Creamery? Actually, no. Okay, you got to go there. See, really? everybody goes to Jenny's. Yes. It's just great. Yeah. Pod Popper has been there. Like, I want to say we actually had ice cream, homemade ice cream, hmm. um, like when they first opened. Really? And so they're local. Okay. And actually, the owner's name is Jenny. Ah, um, and so that's why sometimes when I'm like, is Jenny's? No. It's like, no, you got to go local. So okay. you should definitely hit them up. I will definitely do that. They have some good stuff. Yeah, I love it. Um, all right. So tell me about one great memory you often share in Nashville or about Nashville. In Nashville. Oh. Um so many <laughs> I think some of my best memories are not anything like really mm. you know story worthy amazing um, especially when I was at Vandy I used to always go take little picnics with my friends up at Love Hill Park which mm -hmm. is really close to campus um, I've been training for a half marathon training meaning I've like run five times but so I've gotten to run all around East Nashville and it's kind of nice to do it on foot and see the yeah. businesses. And, you know, like that's so different than just driving by it every day. Right. Um, obviously going downtown, especially I feel like I've become something of like a tour guide for Nashville because most of my friends don't live here. At least most of my friends that like left Vandy or from the Gap Year. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of right. random pockets of my life. Um, so I've literally created like a little 
guideline for what we're going to do. And we hit all of these different things. And it's so fun to just get to experience it from their eyes fresh. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like all yeah, the live music, yeah, you know, yeah. like, like you forget how cool that mm -hmm. is. Um, there's a lot of really diverse things to do in Nashville that are yeah. fun. That's what I love when somebody's like, okay, we're picking between cities. And I'll kind of give them a, you know, glimpse. And at the whole time I'm showing them 10, 20 homes in a day. <laughs> um, I'm talking about city. And it actually gets me excited because yeah. it does remind you of like, you know, we didn't move here because it was the cool city. Totally. We moved here because we wanted to be halfway between our parents and mm -hmm. Nashville was a decent sized city. Yeah. And then it became cool. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it, it is fun. Or when you have family come in town and you're like, hey, cool, let's gives us a reason to go downtown and, you know, experience the crazy scene down there. Totally. So. Oh, it's just, there's always something to do. All right. So what would you look for in a great real estate agent? Oh, my. Someone who's responsive and genuinely cares about my best interest, um, which I guess means honesty also. Mm -hmm. Um, someone who knows the area and knows what they're looking for because I probably don't, mm -hmm. you know, and is willing to kind of like make it an educational experience with me and be like, this right. is what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah, personable. Yeah. Things that I see in you for sure. Cool. <laughs> All right, so what advice would you, would you give to someone looking to move to Nashville? Choose location with an open mind. Like if you're moving to Nashville and think I'm going to live on Broadway, that's probably a pretty bold move, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and maybe that's right for some people, but that would definitely not be right for me. Right. Um, and Nashville is bigger than kind of the stereotypes. Like even what I said about East Nashville really isn't accurate, you know? Correct. It's, Correct. it's a stereotype and there's some truth to it. But, right. But there's a lot of interesting things going on in, in the large, broader area. You know, like Davidson County as a whole is a really fun area. And mm -hmm. so you don't have to be, you know, on Broadway to, <laughs> to experience Nashville. Yes. Um, yeah, and finding areas that are maybe just more interesting and have kind of like what you're talking about with Pied Piper, like more mom and pop shops. Right. Yep. I think it's good to support local. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's what, as we were hitting some of the shops, that was one thing Natalie and I were talking about. It is a little bummer because, you know, the suburbs, it's just tougher to give that vibe, yeah. you know? Yeah. But even with us, you know, we live in Mount Juliet. And, um, but we, you know, we've always been like, yeah, we want to go downtown. We want to go East Nashville to get out and go experience the city. If yeah. you, if you go to Franklin or wherever, like, don't just eat there, like go enjoy Nashville. Absolutely. Even though driving is sucking. Yeah. More and more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So, uh, let the audience know where they can find unlock how they can share the word or absolutely anything. absolutely and, and you have something going on right like yes yeah so right now we are relaunching in a lot of ways so we have completely new production processes products marketing sales channels the whole bit and gamut um we basically are taking more responsibility for our environmental impact so we are melting down recycled sterling silver mm. um we also have the option of 24 karat plated well really vermeil gold um, which is like a thicker coating, like five times mm -hmm. thicker. Um, so we're really excited about the quality of the products that we're offer, offering at really accessible prices because mm -hmm. from design all the way through polishing, we do it all in-house in our Nashville studio, which means we can cut out all the middlemen and give you a really fair price Yeah. Um, while competing with the designs and quality of, you know, like what you'd expect for much higher, much higher prices. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then obviously the main point being that we're helping provide employment for women transitioning into homelessness. And so just like all of our products before, it'll come with a bio of the maker um, and remind you hopefully each time that you put it on 
why you care, you know, mm -hmm. and the personal impact that you're creating. Um, yeah, and so you can find out more about that on our website at becomeunlocked.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at becomeunlocked. Um, we have a newsletter that we send out like every other week that you can sign up for on our website. And we're currently running an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign, which you can find just by Googling like Indiegogo, you know, unlocked jewelry. Um, but again, all of that will be on our website as well. Cool. All right. Alexis, turn off. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And throughout listening to her and her relationship with her parents and the impact they had on her life, it's definitely convicted of what I can do as a parent. And, and honestly, how much more... I need to work at loving my kids. Um, actually, on the way heading to Florida for vacation this week, and I was listening to another podcast. And you know, there's just so much wisdom out there to remind you that, you know, as a parent, we have to work harder. As kids, um, and I guess young adults, we all need to do a lot better job at loving each other. To be, to show grace, to be willing to sit back and listen to people that are not like ourselves. I know just doing these podcast interviews, hearing different perspectives, it well it just does that. It gives you a different perspective, hearing different stories and people's lives and experiences. And as you can see with Alexis in that interview, uh, I think a big, big part of what, you know, matured her a lot, I think she probably already was, but just um, traveling and having those different experiences and different cultures, like I think that that grew her a lot. And that's the common theme around people that I am interviewing that are making a making a difference. Like they uh, they get outside of their their norm and experience a bit of life, and it opens their eyes to needs and and uh, you know different people. So I think that's a, a big takeaway in a world. That is uh, actually over the next year, we'll probably get a little bit even crazier on social media with all the politics. So just remember, like love, look up love. What is love? And the more we can focus on that, um, the more grace we will have. And we won't have all this chaos. Well, actually, we probably will, but not as much in your life anyways. So there you go. Um, as always, thanks for tuning in to National Untold. And next week, I will be sitting down with Amanda Williams. I had to call a little audible because I wanted to get this one out before um, the uh, Indigo campaign ended, as she had mentioned at the end of the podcast. So make sure to check that out. And actually, I saw some of the jewelry at a, at a nonprofit benefit of a friend of mine. Alexis was there, and I saw somebody else wearing some of the jewelry they make. It's really, really pretty stuff. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, if you know somebody that you think this might impact, feel free to share, and if you haven't subscribed, subscribe, and, and reviews um, are always appreciated. So until next week, have a great one. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time, 